So I was listening to Dr. MacArthur this week, and he made a comment that uh, he knew that he was basically constrained by time this morning. I do not feel that constraint, unfortunately, for all of you. (laughs) Hopefully this won't be too long, and you'll bear with me. This is my first time doing this. So... Today and uh, over the next three weeks, we are going to be looking at some things having to do with the Lord's table. I thought it was fitting in Terry's absence since the middle week of these three weeks, we will be partaking of the Lord's table. This is a subject that is very dear to my heart. I've listened to several people expound this subject By no means am I going to be near as detailed as someone like Dr. MacArthur, who has actually a very, very good series on this, and he goes into some very in-depth stuff. We will begin with reading four different accounts of the Lord's Table here, and then uh, we will continue with some prayer. First, we're going to start Matthew 26, verses 17 through 30. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now when the evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. As they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. Being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. If you would continue with me to... Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 26. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you, carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. 
And wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Prepare for us there. The disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came to the twelve as they were reclining at the table and eating. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be grieved and to say to him one by one, Surely not I. And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who dips with me in the bowl. For the Son of Man is, is to go just as is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. While they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing he broke it and gave it to them, and said, Take it, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's continue to Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 22. Then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, so that we may eat it. They said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, When you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house that he enters, and you shall say to the owner of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room. Prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine, on the table, for indeed the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who was going to do this thing. And as we move on, the last one here is first Corinthians eleven twenty three through thirty three. This is the Apostle Paul. And one thing to point out with this one, Paul was not with them in the room. He was not with them during this Passover time. 
And he says here at the beginning of it, he received this from the Lord. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. If we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for this time that we get to look at your table, Lord. God, that we can look at things that you love and, Lord, things that you do that are just absolutely mind-boggling amazing, the details that go into this. Lord, I know I'm not adequate for this task. I ask that uh, you would speak through me today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So we see four accounts of this, the Lord's table. Many people call it communion. It's the same same thing. We, we see it as the Lord's table. So we have four accounts here. Three of the accounts are in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John doesn't say much about this event that evening. He does reference the Passover meal. He does not focus on what the Lord did here. These three accounts are what I call real-time accounts. What I mean by that is that they were written in a way that shows the sequence of events as they happened. Of course, these were not written at that very moment when they happened. We know that these books were written later on. But these are accounts of the writer shows that these are the events that happened. They did not inject any other teachings into these. They did not uh, inject any opinion into these. Um, Each writer has a little bit of a different... um, Emphasis on some of the things that he put in there, but they all reflect the same, all three of those. The fourth account is actually a rebuke to the church in Corinth by the Apostle Paul. He has added teaching into this as to 
what uh, proper behavior you should have with the Lord's table. And we will actually go into that more next week. This week we are going to focus on a few different areas of this. We are going to look at uh, something that Christ mentioned here. And we are also going to look at what the occasion is and the bread, the cup, and the lamb. Like I said, this will not be in-depth. This is kind of more of a little introduction. We're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 14 through 16. It says here, When the hour had come, he reclined at the table, and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And one thing I want to point out here, this has always stuck out in my mind, is this word earnestly. Jesus said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And you look at who is there with him. It said that uh, there was probably close to 500 people who were there with him. We don't know the actual number on that. You know, we know that Peter had a mother-in-law, and so he had a wife. We know that there's several different people that were there. You know, they mainly these disciples' families probably would have been there with them since they were all there. We do know that the 12 were all there. It says that in all three of the gospel accounts that the 12 were there with him. So we do know that, and we would assume that they probably had their families with them and stuff since this is a very holy holiday for the Jewish people. This was probably the biggest holiday that they had. But anyway, the the word earnestly there is a very, very strong word. It is a word that means to lust over something with a strong desire. He has a very, very strong love and desire to celebrate this Passover with them. And he says that it's going to be basically the last one before he goes and suffers. And to show, you know, some of what what the love of Christ with this, John always says about himself that he is the one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. And when you have somebody saying that, you know that he is showing great love and affection towards them. Now, he does rebuke them. He does do things. Peter, stand behind me. You know, stand behind me, Satan, he says to Peter. And, you know, he, he does rebuke them. But as he is shown great love and he earnestly desires to take of this Passover. And we know his suffering is coming. And I'm not going to go into great detail on this because we all know these things. He is going to have extreme suffering. He is going to be scourged. He is going to be beaten. He will be mocked. And he is going to be crucified and killed. 
And uh, so he has a great desire, an earnest desire, to eat this Passover. And we know that it's the Passover because everything at the beginning of all of these Gospels that we read, it says that it's the Passover. So we know that this is the Passover meal. We know that the Passover consists of a lamb that is to be slain and is to be eaten, all of it before the next day, that everyone is to uh, participate in this. And we also know that this is also during the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. And we are going to look at some of this. We're going to go to Exodus 11. If you would turn with me to that. And these these that I'm bringing up here is the actual account of the Passover when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. In uh, chapter 11, the whole chapter, it's bringing up the last plague. And it's showing that Pharaoh's heart here says, the Lord, Now the Lord said to Moses, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. So we are, we are seeing that Pharaoh is going to let them go. God is telling Moses that Pharaoh is going to let them go, but it's going to take this last plague for that. And so when he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man ask from his neighbor, each woman from their neighbor, for articles of silver and articles of gold. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So the Egyptians are all for this. They are they're giving them all kinds of stuff. Pharaoh wants them gone. Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before, and as shall never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these, your servants, will come down to me and bow themselves before me, saying, Go out, you all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, so that my wonders will be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, yet the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the sons of Israel go out of his land. So we kind of have a stage here that we have, and there's been... 
some other plagues before this, but this is the last of the plagues that's going to allow Pharaoh to allow Israel to leave the land. However, Pharaoh's heart will still be hardened against them. We go into uh, Exodus 12, the first 32 verses here. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves, according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now if, a, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat. You are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep of, or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will go through the land of Egypt, and on that night I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now is this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it as a, as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall have a holy assembly, and another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them, except the, what must be eaten by every person. That alone may be prepared by you. You shall also observe the feast of unleavened bread on this very day. I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. In the first month on the fourteenth day of the month, that evening you shall eat unleavened bread, until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses, for whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is an alien or native to, of the land, you shall not eat anything leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. 
Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take yourselves lambs according to your families, and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take the bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin of the lintel and the two doorposts, on, and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land of which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this rite. And then your children say to you, what does this rite mean to you? You shall say it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. When the sons of Israel went and did so, then the sons of Israel went and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh arose in the night, and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home there was not someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron and at night and said, Rise up and get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go worship the Lord as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds as you have said, and go and bless me also. We see through this passage here that this was God's deliverance of the people of Israel. This is, he is uh, um, taking them out of their bondage from the Egyptians, and he has redeemed them with this lamb. He passed over their houses because they did according to what he told them to do. The lamb is shown as the great sacrifice of this. And the Lord, when basically changed Pharaoh's mind, Pharaoh let them leave. Also in this chapter 12, verses 42 through 51, is the ordinance of this Passover, what they're supposed to do. It says here, It is a night to be observed for the Lord for having brought them out from the land of Egypt. This night is for the Lord to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it, but every man's slave purchased with money after you have circumcised him, then he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it. It is to be eaten in a single house. You are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any bone of it. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. But if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, 
Let all his males be circumcised, and let him come near to celebrate it, and he shall be like a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it. For the same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns among you. Then all the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that same day, the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So this is setting the stage. This is what they are celebrating. They are celebrating Israel's deliverance by God from the land of Egypt. And that is what the Passover is to the Jewish people. And that is what we see today. However, there is no God-ordained Passover anymore. All Passovers from the time that Christ died on are not God-ordained. Christ was the final Passover lamb. One of the uh, things I'd like to look at with this Passover feast, though, is that uh, they had unleavened bread. And as we saw here, that they were um, supposed to eat unleavened bread. That was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which the Passover was at the start of that. Leaven uh, is a reference to yeast. And the yeast is an impurity. It's a fungus. And it's added to the dough, and it feeds on the sugar and the nutrients in the flour. It makes the dough rise. And then when the bread is cooked, it kills the yeast, and that's how it can be edible. There are two places in Scripture where leaven is referenced to as a positive. The first is, and we're not going to read them, but the first is Matthew 13.33. The second is Luke 13.21. Both are an account of a parable that Jesus gave describing the kingdom of heaven. But the parable is never explained. We look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 6 through 12. We see most everywhere in the Bible except for those two places, the leaven is described as a negative influence. And... The reason that during the Passover they were supposed to remove the leaven was so that they could show that they were separated and pure from the Egyptians. They were not to take what the leaven that they had from the Egyptians along with them. Matthew sixteen six through 12 This is Jesus' is speaking. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And Sadducees, they began to discuss this among themselves, saying, He said that because we did not bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many large baskets full you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus is telling them 
here that it's okay to eat bread, but he's talking on a spiritual level. He's saying, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That is what the Pharisees and Sadducees spread as their ways of the way they see worship of God and how they are how they have contaminated what God has made for good, what God had for good. They have put several of their influences into things such as what it means not to work. There there was a whole bunch of that and he's saying to beware of their leaven, their contamination. In 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 8, we see here that Paul also speaks of leaven in a spiritual manner. He says, Your boasting is not good. He's talking to the Corinthian church. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul warns here that boasting is negative leaven. He describes Christ as pure, and the the unleavened is being sincere and truthful. And he describes Christ as the sacrifice. And he's showing he he wants them to be pure. He wants them to be without contamination, without this negative leaven. Galatians chapter five, verses seven through nine. Paul is talking to the church in Galatia here. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I'll move on here one more. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. Paul says to the Galatians, he uses this again as the the leaven, the contamination, a persuasion. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This leaven, this, this persuasion from these people hindered them from obeying the truth, it says here. He's basically rebuking them, saying, hey, This is bad persuasion. Get rid of it because they're going to bear some judgment. Exodus 12, 14 through 20, we we went through this. Here God has ordered the leaven to be removed as a symbol of separation from Egypt, removing the impurity of the influence of Egypt from God's chosen people that he's delivering from the affliction of Pharaoh's wrath. And I just I wanted to show this to you because I, Jesus used this Passover time. He used all the details of this. 
The bread was unleavened bread. He's showing it as his body. His body does not have any bad influence. It does not have any impure influence. It is pure. And he is showing that with the unleavened bread, that is pure. And he says that this is his body and that we are to take it and eat it. And I think that is a great and awesome detail that uh, the Lord has used in this. And uh, I, I think it's great, it's awesome that he used that. He is transforming this Passover to be a representative of his new covenant. And we come to the cup. We're going to see Matthew 26, verses 27 through 29. And I know we read this here a little bit ago, but I want to bring it back again here in a little smaller form. He says, When he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. The cup here, he's saying, represents the pure blood of Jesus that was shed to cleanse mankind from the sin. As we all know, with the Passover, they sacrificed a lamb and there was blood all over. Blood ran all over the temple. The time of Jesus' crucifixion, they estimated, I believe, to be close to a couple million lambs slaughtered at that time. And the amount of blood would have just been amazing. The the blood flowing out of the temple. All the sacrifices were to be done at the temple. And for them to slay a couple million lambs, the amount of blood that ran out of there would have been absolutely amazing. However, that, that did not satisfy God as far as redemption of sin. We look in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14. When, when Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things to come, He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve up the living God. So He he takes the cup, and the cup is representing His blood. The blood that is taken and has been shed for the redemption of those who are His. The blood of the bulls and goats, the blood of all the sacrifices that ever happened before that, never, ever, ever, ever could satisfy God's wrath. 
to those who are the sinners. So he takes the cup, and the cup, he declares is his blood that was shed for us. It was made up of red wine and water, and during the feast it was diluted double with water to keep in any way from getting drunk and desecrating God's ordained feast, God's ordained holiday. They also used wine as a purification method. They used wine. It wasn't near as strong as what we have a lot of today. And they drank it very regularly. They added it to water to kill off whatever contaminants were in it, whatever bacteria, whatever bugs, whatnot, that was growing in it so that they could purify it. And so God has used the cup, which is wine and has water, to represent his blood that he knows he's foretelling is going to be shed for them. Next we move to the lamb, and this is the last of what what they what we were seeing in this part. God established all the way back to Adam and Eve the requirement of sacrifice to redeem mankind. It's shown in Genesis twenty two, one through thirteen. God provided a ram in the place of Abraham's son Isaac for a sacrifice to the Lord. God had told Abraham to make a sacrifice of his son. And Abraham was obedient and he was going to do it. As he had drawn the knife to kill his son on the altar, he was given a replacement by the Lord in God's grace and mercy. The Passover required a spotless lamb, as we saw, to be killed as a sacrifice. And it was only a symbol of what would appease God's wrath. And we see that in Hebrews nine eleven through 14 as we read. It's not that lamb that redeemed man, or even God took away any sins. But it was only a symbol. Exodus twelve forty six. It said, "It is not. It is to be eaten in a single house. You are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any bone of it." The fact that they did not break any bone is prophetic. John. Nineteen thirty-one through 37 Then the Jews, because of this, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not be re- remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that the Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus... When they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear, and immediately the blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you also may believe. 
For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture, not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. And that is actually a reference from Psalm 34:20. It says, he keeps all of his bones, not one of them is broken. And that is uh, in reference to Christ, the, the, sacri- the ultimate sacrifice. The soldiers did not break his legs to fulfill that scripture. The lamb was not to have any bones broken as a symbol of Christ being the Passover lamb, the ultimate sacrifice. So we've gone over a few things. These things are, are things that I've, I think are really great and awesome about the details of, of what, uh, what Christ used in the Passover and to see that these things represent him. I think it is a great and awesome thing. Next week, we'll look at 1 Corinthians 11:23-33 as we also will take the Lord's table at that time. So if you would join me in prayer. Father, I thank you Lord for all that you've done for us, Lord. God, I thank you for these great things that you've shown us that Lord, you are the great sacrifice for all sins forever. Lord, to show that these things that you ordained way back from Egypt, Lord, that you put them in place before you even created. God, I thank you so much for that. Lord, I ask that uh, we would... Look at our hearts this coming week, Lord, as we are to take your table next week. Lord, that uh, we would come in a worthy manner. Thank you, Lord. Amen.